I'm learning to really embrace my strengths. I love learning about my clients' character strengths. I find that when I access my own and I bring them online, oh, things get so much more smooth for me. And when I can work with the ADHD and not against it and thinking, oh, I should be able to do this. I should, I should, you know, then I'm much more at peace because it goes back again to that, that internal peace for me. Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am your host, Tracy Otsuka. Thank you so much for joining me here for episode number 175 of ADHD for Smartass Women. I hope that you'll subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter over at tracyoutsuka.com. You know, my purpose is always to show you who you are and then inspire you to be it. And in the thousands of ADHD women that I've had the privilege of meeting, I've never met a one that wasn't truly brilliant at something. So for that reason, I am just delighted to introduce you to Leslie Robbins. Leslie is an ADHD coach who started down this path because her two oldest sons have ADHD, and she wanted to be the resource to others that she had dreamed of having when her boys were younger. I totally get that, Leslie. It wasn't until her oldest son was in college and her middle son was a junior in high school that she even discovered what ADHD coaching was. That's also when she received her own ADHD diagnoses at 47. Leslie gives workshops on ADHD to local schools, parent groups, and other businesses, including the Chamber of Commerce in Bellevue, Tennessee. In a previous life, she worked as a fundraiser, served on the board of the Officer's Wives Club. Since served on the board of the Officer's Wives Club, and volunteered in a variety of capacities at her son's schools, where she served on the Parent Association as president. She lives outside of Nashville, Tennessee, with her husband, Justin, and her three boys, Jack, Luke, and JT. She also believes that her boxer, whose name is Bronco, also has ADHD. And when she's not coaching and volunteering, Leslie enjoys spending time at her farm with her family and their cows, chickens, honeybees, and orchard. She loves hiking, kayaking, traveling, being outside in nature. So Leslie, welcome. And did I get all of that right? You did. You did. Thank you for having me so much. Absolutely. And what our our listeners don't know is we have a really funny story to share, which is why I invited you here. But you're going to have to wait until we get to that part in the podcast. And it is super funny. It's absolutely why I decided, oh my gosh, we need to have her on this podcast. (laughs) So my big question for you, Leslie, is... I really have a problem with sitting on boards and being in meetings. That is one of my ADHD traits. And I am curious, you've been doing this, it sounds like, for decades, and it sounds like you're really good at it. You have no problem with boards and meetings? Well, what I tend to notice, it's funny that you say that. Uh I don't really have problems with meetings, but I find when I'm like involved, like actively involved in them, whether it be running them or doing something, I'm more engaged. That may be why I 
kind of gravitated to some more of those leadership roles. As you mm. say that, I'm thinking about that. Yeah. Absolutely. If, if We're just born to lead generally. And I yeah. think it's hard for us not to lead. So I find that in those situations, I can be really irritating, especially to the <laughs> current leader. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just like, oh my gosh, we could get through this literally in a third of the time. I have places to be. I have things to do. And it just frustrates me. I just want to get into action. I don't want to talk about getting into action. Right, right. And I think one of the boards that I was on previously, these there was not really an agenda. There were no job descriptions for any of the board members. There were no bylaws. And the meetings would last two to three hours. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't do this. And I just kind of initiated the job description thing on my own and the, the bylaws and some of those other things and put them into place. And thankfully, after that, we were able to kind of get in and out in an hour or so. So <laughs> you're right. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> yeah. sure... All of the members were probably happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big relief for everybody. So Leslie, as you know, I love to talk about the ADHD diagnoses. Everyone's story is so different. And I think our listeners really like hearing that too. I was just talking to a guest on my podcast yesterday, and she was saying she never gets sick of it because everyone's story is so different and she gets something from every single one, something different from every single one. So I want to know, what is your ADHD diagnosis story? So what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I just was bebopping along, never thought I had anything going on with me. And you know, came upon the time I had kids. I have three boys. My two older sons were diagnosed with ADHD, and I still didn't quite understand how their brains were working. They're more of the combined type. My middle son is more, I would say, more inattentive, and I still just couldn't quite figure it out. Um, it wasn't until my son, my middle son was a junior in high school and we were seeing somebody who was helping him. And he looked at me and said, so who has ADHD? Is it you or your husband? And I was like, well, it's not me. And <laughs> it, it wasn't my husband either. Um, he's much more together than I am. But I was like, huh, that's an interesting question that nobody's ever asked me before. And I said, did you like, know no. that it was genetic? I mean, I don't, I don't know if I was even putting it together. I, I, I knew it had to be, but even at that time, I couldn't connect the dots. Like, where was it coming from? I didn't know. I mean, I, there, there were traits I could see on both sides of the family in certain areas, that kind of thing. But I didn't know if those were just personality traits or if there was true ADHD there. Certainly never thought it was me. And once I got into this whole, like when I was going into my coach training and the more I was learning about the inattentive ADHD and what that meant for, for women and girls, I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> this is yeah. really sounding very familiar. And that's when I went and just talked with a psychiatrist who, who specialized in ADHD. And that was, you know, that was part of some of the issue is that, you know, we went to our pediatrician. He was great. He did what um, he, he could for, for my boys. But he even said, I'm, this is not my area of expertise. And let's find you someone for them who knows more. And so when it came down to me wanting to know more, I, I chose that route for myself too. I went to somebody who, who specialized in it. And once I got that, some of that affirmation, I started looking back on my, like my childhood, where mm -hmm. could some of this have popped up? And I realized like, I can remember having test anxiety in the first grade. My mom would say, okay, we are not missing school on Fridays anymore. She would say I would like have stomach aches. I would physically get sick. And I didn't remember that until she told me, like she reminded me that. And she would, then she started forcing me to go to school and take those spelling tests. And so it kind of maybe was, there were some subtle teaser, you know, way back then. I was good in spelling. I was good in writing. Um, math was an issue for me. And I tended to avoid anything, procrastinate on anything that had to do with, with math and numbers and dates and like any of that working memory that you needed to hold on to that type of information. And I even chose my college major based on how few math classes <laughs> I had to take. Yeah. And so I was, I was leaning into where I, where my strengths were and I was avoiding my weaknesses. So I think that was part of why 
I never noticed it, you know, impacting me probably until my kids were actually young and things were harder for me to manage. And I think I also coped with perfectionism and, you know, there was definitely some procrastination when and avoidance when it came to things that were just difficult. So when you were younger, did your symptoms present more as hyperactive combined type or inattentive? Oh, I would say inattentive. I didn't feel like I was impulsive. I was kind of a rule follower, Mm -hmm. not to the point, you know, where it was rigid or it got in the way, but I needed that internal peace. If I felt like I wasn't following the rules or, you know, pleasing my, you know, teachers or my parents or that kind of thing, it didn't sit well with me. So you were a people pleaser. I was. Yeah. Yeah. So what has changed since you were (laughs) diagnosed? (laughs) Oh, well, everything, everything, everything. Well, and it's really, really funny too, because it was, um, I can't remember if this was right after my diagnosis or if it was maybe right before it, but we, my husband and I were at dinner and this know that this was in (laughs) complete support and love. And there was some humor involved in this as well. We were talking about some things and some events that we had coming up and I was telling him, oh, it's on this date at this time. And he's like, are you sure? And I said, yeah, I know it's that time. And he's like, okay, you realize I need you to check your calendar. And I said, what? And then he says, I don't do anything unless I double check the calendar after you've given me a date and a time (laughs) because it's always wrong. I'm like, no, it's not. And he goes, you don't know how long I've been compensating for you. We, I died laughing. I'm like, really? Well, I think I'm compensated for you too. He's like, oh, I'm sure you have. <laughs> but we were laughing about it. And then I was like, holy cow, he is so right. On that particular instant, I think I was right. But looking back, I'm like, I triple put myself all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's that working memory. It's that holding on to dates. It's that, that kind of thing. So I'm really slow to commit to like doing something now. I I will triple check myself to make sure everything's lining up. I still make mistakes there too. And so I'm learning to really embrace my strengths. I love learning about my clients' character strengths. I find that when I access my own and I bring them online, oh, things get so much more smooth for me. And when I can work with the ADHD and not against it and thinking, oh, I should be able to do this. I should, I should, you know, then... I'm much more at peace because it goes back again to that that internal peace for me. So tell me, you mentioned that, you know, even starting in the first grade, you had all this test anxiety. You were inattentive in school. Like, how did it present throughout the the rest of your life? Like when you ended up going from high school to your first year in college and then from, you know, college to that first job and then from, you know, the job to marriage, marriage to the kids, like all of that. I'm just curious how it all played out. Yeah. Because based on what I read about you, it sounds like there there is or was some RSD. And so I'm curious where that happened. Yeah. You know, I don't really, I can't pinpoint the RSD and that's what's so confusing, but there was always like this fear of failure. And so Mm. whether it was perceived fear of failure and it was my own, like, (laughs) It was my, if it was just me kind of creating that RSD, that rejection sensitive dysphoria around what I had, like my own expectations. I, I don't know if that's when it started. I moved a lot too. That was another reason why I don't think I picked up on it because every couple of years I was at a new school and it was exciting and I was making new friends and then, you know, I would bounce around. And so I, I was, I was engaged for a long time. When I was in middle school and I transitioned from elementary to middle school, you know, that's when the math thing came, man, it came to a screeching halt, maybe a little bit in elementary. I can remember like fourth grade in fractions. It was just too much, but I got caught back up and then hit algebra and then hit another brick wall, found some, some strengths in high school and writing again was something that I loved. And I did the best I could in chemistry and math, but man, that math was just really, I I struggled there. And that's where I was like, forget it. This is not worth my stress and anxiety. When I go to college, two math classes, whatever's the least amount, that's the major for me. Mm. Because my, my dad would get frustrated. He would try to help me, but he was getting frustrated. Like, why aren't you getting this? And I was he good at math? He was really good at math. 
Yeah. Yeah. I had the same experience. Yeah. And I was like, gosh, I just, I don't know. I just don't remember. I feel like I have it and I understand it when I'm in the class, you know, and then I come home, it's gone. I don't, you know, I don't remember anything. So it was very frustrating to me because I always felt like I was a good student. So when I went to college, I was like, nope, you know, I'm, I'm going to lean into where I know I'm good at. And that was supportive of me. And so I think that that sustained me for a while. Then when we got married, we had kids probably five years into our marriage. And I was really involved in in fundraising and um, a little bit of PR. My degree was in PR, which kind of leaned into when like I would start worrying, which is another kind of one of those where I'd kind of sit and think and kind of spin on some thoughts. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That, that led me to pop up. a major in public relations where I could, oh, I could just prevent all this stuff from happening. This would be so fantastic, (laughs) Um, which probably exacerbated some things for me in that area as well. But my, my husband was a Navy officer and our first assignment was over in Japan. And that's when that worry got really, really intense, not because of, it was the earthquakes, (laughs) the potential for the earthquakes. And I've not, not ever experienced one, you know, I live in the Southeast. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was like, what ifing every single day? What if he's over here and my, I'm with my son over here and there's, you know, I can't get to where I need to be and I don't have my passports and I can't get home and what happens? And, you know, and I would mm-hmm. stay up at night spinning on this stuff. Wow. Yeah. And so that's when the really when the worry started coming in, I think, and, and having to juggle, you know, responsibilities around my children and their needs and then finding out that they also were struggling with some things. You know, I'd give them like I need you to you know, give them a list of things to do and expect them to do it and they could get the first thing done and forget two and three, four, five, six and seven. And I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. And so that's when I noticed, you know, it just was harder for me to manage. I became more frustrated. I started leaning into really leaning into perfectionism and, and some rigidity in how things need to be done. And I'm sure that was stressing them out a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, If you're worried about these things and that's all you're focusing on, guess what? The worry is getting growing bigger, 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 right? Because you didn't have the skills to stop that worrying. No. And, and that's what everyone would say. Well, just don't worry about it. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, how do you do that? Right? How do you know? I know. I couldn't do it. That was concerning to me at that time. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. We're going to talk about what brought you here. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think the best way to do that is for you to tell the story. So <laughs> just a little bit of background. I think we met through through Dana, right? Is, yes. is that where? Okay. So Dana is the, she heads up the, what, what's her title? Like she's the head of training, right? For ADCA, which is the ADD Coaching Academy. And she she is wonderful. I love her. And she specializes in ADHD and autism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's just brilliant in in that area. But I think most of her work now is just running all the coach training at ADCA. So tell me the story (laughs) that she told you, you need to go share with Tracy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, and Dana's my mentor coach too. And so I work with Uh, her and she's, um, and she's been such a, you know, blessing. Great choice. um, Yeah. Yeah. And she's, and she's coaching as well too. But yeah. Yeah. So I, (laughs) back in February, this February, I was trying to get my website, like some things going on my website and some social media stuff. And well, actually, I'll go back. It was maybe, yeah, it was the first of, first of February. I posted something and it said, I decided that my 2022 was going to start February 1st. And this, this was a trial month. That was for January. Little did I know that a couple of days later, things were going to come to kind of a screeching halt for me. I had a period of time where I had no sleep. The electricity, for whatever reason, was going off and on in our community. They were doing some work on some power lines. And I got up to go get some coffee at the, like at a gas station just a mile away. I had my, my ADHD dog, Bronco, with me in the car. and <laughs> I have I was, one too, by the way. <laughs> I swear he has it. I was pumping my gas. I never get out of my gas 
or my car when I'm pumping my gas. I never get out. But that morning I had to go get, get my coffee. And when I got my coffee, I got in the car, checked to make sure the dog was okay. I think six hours of sleep in a total of 48 hours. I just drove away. Just completely drove away. I did not check to see if I put the gas pump back in the <laughs> hole where it belonged. Um, and I was driving down the street and I'm looking like, why are people staring at me? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. So I turned at the very next turn. I literally was on this little stretch of road for maybe a 30 seconds, a minute, not even. And I looked out of my rearview mirror and I was like, oh, that's why everybody's staring at me. I have a gas pump hanging out of my car, dragging on the road because oh, I heard the noise. That's what like kind of clued me in. How I didn't hear the noise when I drove away of it disconnecting, I don't know. I was completely not paying attention. And, and I was like, great. How embarrassing is this? And so I was mortified and I, I happened to have a box, put the gas pump in the box. I'm like, okay, I thought really quick, I'm going to, maybe I could just take it home and throw it away. Maybe I don't. But then I was like, no, I need that back. And that wouldn't be really honest of me. And it was really, you know, again, inner peace. I needed that inner peace. And so I, I put it in the box. I took it back and the gas attendant, she came out and she was just puffing and puffing and like, why would anybody do that? And I'm like, um, hi, that was me. Um, here's your pump. <laughs> <laughs> I came back and I'm like, is it hard to fix? And she took it and she's like, no. And she plugged it back in. I was like, okay. And she didn't say anything to me. I, so I was like, okay, well, bye. <laughs> I left. And I was like, oh, thank goodness that's over. Well, a day later, uh, I didn't tell anybody about it. I was just like, okay, the people who saw me do it, they saw me do it, whatever. It's over and done with. And so I get on Facebook. I'm checking it because I'm thinking about like, what am I going to post for my business? page or whatever. And I'm like, oh, oh, look at there. There's a picture of my car with the gas pump dragging on the road. <laughs> and a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in five years shared it. <laughs> what? So I texted her and I was like, hey, and the person who originally posted didn't blur my license tag out. And I thought, well, that's kind of funny. <laughs> Let me just ask her if she'll blur out my license tag and I'll, and then nobody will know. Well, she said, oh my gosh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. This is so embarrassing. I'm taking it down. And I said, it's okay. You can leave it up. She's like, no. And so she, she took it down and she tried to contact the original poster. And she's like, I don't know who it was. And I thought, oh, great. <laughs> so I clicked on the link of where, from her you know, page to see who originally posted. It had what, what did I say? Like 104 shares, 60 shares, 104 comments. This was less than 24 hours. And I thought, oh, great. Now I'm going to have to tell my husband because <laughs> I hadn't told him. And, and so I did. And we laughed. And my 16-year-old son, neurotypical, who totally would have also taken a picture. <laughs> yes, and posted it. Was, Look at this I know, idiot. I know. And he's like, Mom, it's not that bad. <laughs> and I said, oh, JT, yes, it is. It's horrible. This is awful. And he's like, no, really, it's not. He was so sweet and supportive and probably a little bit had some secondhand embarrassment for me as well. <laughs> but um, I thought, you know, and then I thought, oh, this is this is absolutely awful, awful, because like everybody's going to see this. I live in a smaller town outside of Nashville. They they know my car. They certainly knew my license tag because it's like you're an ADHD coach, ADHD <laughs> coach, you know, all that stuff. And I thought, this is just horrible. What am I going to do? And so one of my friend, my, the friend who posted, we were messaging back and forth and she said, Hey, well, at least you went viral. And she's like, and I said, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. I <laughs> own this. And so I'm like, how am I going to own it? What do I need to do? And, and that's when I decided I'm going to go through all of the comments from the original posters page and see what they said and answer their questions. But I couldn't share it back because I wasn't friends with the original poster. So I wrote an article about it instead and put it on my Facebook page or my, my Facebook. I linked it from my Facebook page to my website. Yeah, no, 
I absolutely love that. And what was so interesting to me is that so many people could relate. So, and okay, so that's what I, I was actually really surprised because so <laughs> many more people were like, my life packed into one picture. Nice reminder. You're not the only one struggling with life's curveballs. Right. Did that once. It happens more than you think. At the gas station the other day, it happened, and the employee said that they had just gotten the pump replaced for the third time in six weeks. Yes, yes. yes. I would laugh, but I've done it twice. I've done that at the same gas station. <laughs> Luckily, I heard it yank before it actually came out. I mean, they were so incredibly supportive. What I love most, though, is that you literally took that situation, which, oh my gosh, like you're viral with your license plate. Yes. <laughs> Your car with the gas tank, you know, uh, pump thing hanging out of it. You could have been just mortified, let RSD get the best of you, right? Yes, totally. But instead, you totally did the the opposite, which is, I think it's kind of like the fourth stage of gratitude, you know, where you were like, okay, this happened for me. What can I do with it to make it life's best lesson, not just for me, but for other people. And so you went back and you answered every single question, but you were teaching them about ADHD in the way you answered the question. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. There was one person who said, oh, it looks like an end of a three days of long 12 hour shifts. I can see it. And my response was, oh, you're closed in the past 48 hours. I had six hours of sleep. And then I mentioned about sleep deprivation that many mm -hmm. people with ADHD have, you know, trouble with sleep. And I, in fact, had had that, you know, that day and just, and yeah, I broke out some statistics on each little component that I, yeah, I wanted it to be a teachable moment. And it was actually fun to connect the research with the questions. No, I, I think it's a brilliant article. We will definitely link to it. And, and I just, you know, I love the actions that you took that showed that there is no such thing as bad. Nothing is bad, right? It's a choice that we call it bad. You're so right. Like, yes. And I'll say that to my, you know, my clients, my children, you know, friends, like how you choose to navigate in your world, it's a choice. And the only thing you can choose is how you want to react to something. Things happen but we can be at choice with our response. And it's, it's so true. But had it not been for my own personal work and my own coaching that I've had and my training as well, I would not have been able to shift. And it literally was like within 30 minutes, I was, I was feeling like sick to my stomach with embarrassment. And I was like, no, I, I'm going to take control of this. Like I said, I love character strengths and I love leaning into those. And, I, and immediately that came to me like, how, what do I need to use? Where am I, how do my core strengths fit into this? And there's, there's a test that I use with all of my clients. I've done it with my family and friends too. And it's the VIA character strength, you know, a scientific test and anybody can take it for free at, at viacharacter.org. And I really lean into those on a very, if, if not daily basis, you know, certainly weekly basis, but courage was not one of my strengths. <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay, I've got to dig down deep and find it. Because but was humor? No, it wasn't, which is so Humor's funny. not, oh, I, I thought for sure, just the way you responded to uh, the comments. Yeah. And that's what surprised me is that how those kind of came up from maybe it's a basic strength, Leslie. Yeah, I think it I think it is. And um, it's been interesting to kind of reflect on how those kind of rose to the top. My top ones. Is it OK if I share those? Just to yeah, I, I love the um, bio character strengths test. So my my top one, I have like eight of my top eight. So appreciation for beauty and excellence, prudence, which at first I hated, but now I love spirituality leadership, kindness, love, gratitude, and fairness. Yeah. And those had to all come online. Like, I didn't think it was fair that Mike got, you know, exposed like that. So I, like, I felt mm -hmm. kind of like, I don't know, some of my values and some of my I don't, needs and all that stuff, they were all out of whack with this whole situation. But I was like, no, 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 no. If I can take control of this, that's that leadership. I can be grateful for what this can maybe bring to me. Like, I, I really used those. And once I did, I think that's when the humor came and the courage. But I also know that with ADHD, 
you can't shake your finger at somebody and say, oh, well, you shouldn't have done this. You know, she thought it was funny, whoever this person was that posted it. It it was funny. And (laughs) I thought it was funny in the moment. And so I'm like, there's no way I'm going to like, you know, go at it from that angle because that doesn't serve anybody. And, and that's where I was like, okay, how can this be fun and funny? And, and, and maybe somebody can learn something from it along the way. Yeah. So let me just explain for those who don't know what the via character's strengths test is. Hmm. So you take this test and then there's 24 character strengths. Yes. We have every single one of those character strengths, but we have them in varying degrees. So Leslie may have leadership in her top character strengths, and I may have humor and leadership is way down. But just because leadership is way down does not mean that I can't lead. It's just that I don't need to lead to be happy. And uh, is there another word, Leslie, that I should be using to be operating at my optimum? Yeah. Or like living in integrity with yourself. Yes, that's yeah. that's perfect. And yeah. so then there's also something called our signature character strengths. And those are the character strengths that we rely on all the time. And they're at the, we cannot go through life without exhibiting those character strengths, without using those character strengths, because there is natural to us as breathing. So mm. those are the very top character strengths. But then there's phasic strengths, which can be at the very bottom, mm-hmm. but um, we use them at times when there's crisis or can you explain it better? Yeah. I think I- they rise to the top when, 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 you, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, so and I me- also feel like when you have your core strengths and you're in alignment with those and you're not overusing them or underusing them, and I may be wrong about this. So I'll have to go back and look at my, you know, my learning and my research, but when that's when some of those those strengths, those lesser strengths that you don't tap into can really come to the top. Correct. Yeah. For example, well, actually that wasn't an example. I was just thinking of, you know, like a character strength of prudence, which would never be (laughs) on my list of character strengths. (laughs) And I think what happens to us is because we, many of us tend to be impulsive, we beat ourselves up about the fact that we are impulsive and we should be more prudent, right? Mm. Rather than leaning into the fact that, no, but we're impulsive. So let's make impulsivity work for us. I agree there is a balance. I Mm. tend to be more, you know, screw the weaknesses, hire those out, you know, do what you can in order to, you know, get through life and do the things, you know, that thing that you want to do and really, really focus on the weaknesses. But that's kind of my strategy. Mm. And so those phasic strengths, especially for those of us with ADHD, we can actually be really prudent in some situations, or we can be really, what, what are some character strengths that are typically not ADHD character strengths? Self-regulation is one. Yeah, exactly. We can be super self-regulated when things are intense enough, right? Like in, in a crisis. Right, right. So they, those become phasic strengths where they rise, you know, they can rise to the top in instances where all the other elements are working. Yeah. Yeah. And I know a lot of of people who feel like love of learning, that's another strength. Yeah. That's not one of theirs, but when it's of something that they're interested in or they're, you know, it's novel or it's kind of stands out and jumps out, they want to learn everything they can about it. And so I know that surprises some of my clients too, about how, how that one shows up for them. Yeah. You know, I have to say, when I think of all the ADHD women I've worked with, I have never met one, I don't think that has you know, either curiosity or love of learning. And I kind of see those as very similar, but as you said, it's in their area of interest. See all, all the other stuff. It's like, forget it. I don't care. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, you know, as I'm talking about this, that prudence thing was so huge for me because I could have just been mad and and just spout it off. Like, how could you, you know, why did you dare you? Whatever. And I got into, you know, a Facebook war and who wants that? And again, inner peace needed to have it. But so I I leaned into that. I'm like, okay, what would be the best way to handle this? And, and, and it it created that pause that I needed. And I'm, I'm grateful for that, you know, and, and maybe because that is a core strength that I can lean into that it does put that impulsivity at bay for me. It, it could be present, I'm sure, in some situations. <laughs> so are you inattentive primarily? Yes, primarily. Okay. Yeah. Which is, I guess, pretty common. If you're inattentive as a child, I think that just kind of follows you. 
Yeah, that's what I've been I've been reading the research on that and that seems to be the case. Yeah. Although I really wonder, you know, I think that we are all hyperactive. It's just, are you hyperactive in body or are you hyperactive in mind? So, Well, I, well and I totally agree with you there because there's definitely a lot of cognitive hyperactivity that I experienced myself. And, and I didn't, again, going back to the, the, you know, the resource that we had that was helping my, my middle son when he was asking me, so, you know, you know, who has ADHD? Is it you or your husband? So he was talking about like, how busy is your brain? Like, what are you thinking about? Is it ever still... Mm-hmm. Do you try, have you ever meditated? And I thought, oh, no, I couldn't do that. Can you meditate? (laughs) Right. And of course, my son was like, no, I'm not doing that. And he said, you know, know, he described it like, you know, thoughts are like clouds just kind of moving by. Have you ever Mm -hmm. sat and just noticed how many thoughts that you have in a period of time? And I thought, "I, I don't think I've ever done that, but I didn't think I had that many. And it was probably... I don't know, maybe a year or two after that. And I, one day, I guess it was one of those days where there's white puffy clouds, go, you know, in the sky, blue, nice blue guy in the back. And I was noticing go by and I thought, okay, I'm going to try that. I'm just going to notice. And I was like, holy cow, it's not stopping. Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot. Yeah. So that's where mine is, is the cognitive hyper. I think I recall reading that we have 60,000 thoughts a day, which is insanity to me. Right. Right. And then, you know, you can get attached to a thought and start spinning on it without even realizing that you're spinning on it. And I say that negatively, you know, because that positivity ratio is, you know, it's it's, it's three to one. And and if you're focusing on that negativity, like way back in the back, you can all of a sudden start feeling irritated and frustrated and annoyed. And you're like, where did this come from? I don't even know why I'm annoyed. And it's because you kind of thought about something and you know, you're going about your day, but there's still that thought looming in the background. And until I started paying attention to it, I didn't realize that I was even doing some of that. And that's been really eye opening to me because now I can like say, okay, I can take a positive interrupt. I can, you know, distract myself in a way that will support me and get away from that negative thinking so that I can move forward in a way that'll support me. And that's what I help, you know, try to help my, some of my, my, um, my clients do as well. So Leslie, does that happen to you where all of a sudden you realize that you're really irritated about something, but you don't even know what it is. So you have to pause and kind of, you know, sit down or whatever and really kind of think through what it could be. Yeah, I have to trace it back. And I, you know, I never noticed it before, you know, until, you know, it's all, I think our body tells us like, you know, how we're, yes. how we're feeling Body before our brains. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so like, I like, why are my shoulders up at my ears? Like, what am I so tense about? Like, mm-hmm. you know, why is my neck, you know, tight or I'm clenching my teeth or, you know, that's kind of where I tend to hold stress and tension. And then I'll start thinking, okay, what grabbed my attention? Which one of those little thought clouds that went by in my brain did I grab onto and kind of, and, and not let it just keep on going. And I can almost trace it back just when, when I'm intentional about it, I can trace it back every time. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's practice and it took, you know, it was probably, I was well into my coach training before I even was doing it for myself. Yeah, I think what happens for me is I literally forget what I'm upset about. Mm-hmm. And as you said, your body doesn't. So if you just kind of, you know, no pausing, no nothing, just keep blowing through life, which is what I typically do, I, I forget that I'm upset. I mean, I joke all the time, you know, you can do anything to me because, you know, in an hour I won't remember. <laughs> right. that's a, then that's a, like a great gift, right? That's a blessing. <laughs> you, exactly. It, it is. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes, right. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I did a little bit of research about this and I was laughing even more. And when I say about this, about, you know, people who drive off with the, the hose stuck in the, the gas tank yeah. <laughs> and- Apparently, what there is is a breakaway coupling that will detach from the the hose from the pump and automatically shut off the flow of fuel when the coupling is detached. So I guess that's why when you brought the pump back, they just stuck it right back in. Yeah, because (laughs) it happens so much. And I I saw someone on Quora wrote, "Chances are the worst that will happen is you'll be stopped by the police and quite probably be be given a sobriety test. Take your time and don't be that guy." And then someone else responded with a photo 
Oh. Of a police car with the hose and the nozzle attached, <laughs> driving down the freeway, just like the photo that was taken of you. <laughs> oh, it can happen to all of us. <laughs> can you imagine being a police officer? Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> probably because I've done it. <laughs> but exactly, guy. and poor guy. I think most, you know, many police officers are ADHD. Right? It's the perfect career. It is. It is because it's intense. They can hyper focus. Yeah. They can bring all of those ADHD, like the the things that you can really lean into. That being right. able to react quickly, all that. Yeah, yeah. And something as mundane as pumping gas, especially on a long shift, if he was tired, totally right. can see how it happened. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, Leslie, what is it about you and your ADHD that makes you good at what you do? Well, I think. I've had to kind of step back and like look at what gets in my way and and just really acknowledge that. I, you know, I've had I've had conversations with my own son and he's been really great about being able to do that as well over the years and when I can shift my perspective, when I can reframe and lean into my strengths, I feel like that's when I can give myself grace and compassion for some of the things that create hurdles for me. And so I think like when I, when I can hyper-focus and get into that flow, oh, like I love that. Um, but I have to be careful because it can pull me away from family time. It can pull me away from, you know, I can, it can make me run late. You know, I can be like, oh, just one more thing. Just one more thing. I just want, I'm, I'm in the flow. I don't want to stop. So that transitioning is hard, but I do love the hyper-focus piece because it is it is so satisfying and I can, and I can get some things done with that. And I have to lean into what supports me, you know, with the working memory piece and with the numbers. And so I have to bring on some outside scaffolding to support me. And when I can do that, then you know, it's just it's less of an obstacle. I don't know if that answers that question or not. Yeah. Okay. So, um can I ask you, are you now grateful for the fact that the gas pump thing happened? Oh my gosh, yes. Yes. And when I'm have in a bad mood, like before it totally put me in a bad mood, all I have to do is like look at that picture and <laughs> I totally yeah. I would laugh out loud if I'm the only person like in my house. And so, yeah, it, it gives me it kind of, it makes me laugh. Um, it brings me joy, gratitude. I yes. would think too, it would be the best reminder. So if you have that picture like on your desk, right? Yeah. Of any kind of barriers that you encounter or anything that happens that is quote unquote bad. Just the reframe, right? Just the reframe. Just the reframe. Yeah. I mean, I was I was talking with a client the other day and she she gave me permission to to share this. We had we had a session and she had called and she was inquiring on how to support her son who um, also has ADHD um, and she does as well. And there was a situation going on like not a situation, but it was like a, a like a, an event that was happening, and and he was wanting to ask a, a girl to come with him to a, an event, and and she's scaffolding him because this is his first experience with all of this, which is great. But there was some there were some issues where there wasn't some communication that was coming back, so he was putting some things out there, and then it was silent, and so. Mm -hmm. um, She's like, oh my gosh, she was worried about it. And I said, well, you know, if there's one thing, what is your takeaway? Because she, we, we had kind of a, we were coaching via text even because she was trying to support him and trying to keep herself regulated so she wouldn't stress her son out and mm -hmm. so she could support him. And I, and I said, well, you know, there are lots of possibilities and our brains have to have meaning to the things that we don't understand. And our brain will help us out. <laughs> um, yeah. Give us a meaning. But we have to filter that and decide, is that, is, is that true? Is there evidence of this? And if it's not, if there's no evidence of it, you know, ask ourselves what could be true. And lots of things could be true. And we could come up with a thousand different reasons why things could be going on. And, but because the negative thoughts and just negativity in general sits with us longer, it's heavier, it's longer to process that cortisol and adrenaline through our, our system. It lingers. She was able to say, you know, we, I gave her some other possible scenarios and, and she's like, you're right. This helped me from spiraling downward into the black hole of rumination and infinite meaning making, she said. And so it, she was able to see what else was possible. I'm trying to think of what else she said. She said, uh, she said scenarios of positive opposites. We talked about that. And, 
And the critical question, what is my tangible evidence for building these towers of terror? And she didn't have any. And so it was just a complete shift for her. Well, and especially if she then goes and shares that with her son. Yeah. Yeah. And then she can apply that. She's like, oh, you know, this, she started connecting it with other areas of her life where we can just worry and we can get into that, that place of where we, we spin and we worry and we, what if, and, and it's not helping us move forward. And sometimes it could just completely make us totally stuck when it got down to it and they figured out what was going on. There was some glitching in the phones and there was, that's why the communication wasn't going through. Ah, so did it work out for him? Yes, it did. And it was, and it was great. It was great. What a great lesson for her to then apply next time. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was a great story and and an experience to anchor it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great story. So what do you think the key to living successfully with ADHD is? I think acknowledging where it gets in the way. I think we have to we have to get to a place where we accept it. I know so much, many times, especially with students and young people, we just want to be like everybody else. We just want to be normal, whatever normal is. And when we can acknowledge that, okay, this is just my brain is different. I tell my son, he's a car guy, and I said, you know what, you have like we hear the sports car brain and the and the bicycle brakes. I said, but you really, really, and truly have. You, you, you are a sports engine. You are a, or a sport, a, a sports car. You are high performance. You require special tires, special fuel, special, <laughs> you know, all you have to have the oil check. You got to check your systems. You got to make sure you got to go into the, you know, go into the pit and you got to check on things before you can get back out there again. So when things fall, you know, fall off the track, we've, we've got to do our systems check. And when we can acknowledge what we need and what supports us, then we can go out and we can own the ADHD, be great examples to other people who have ADHD. And, and there's so many people out there, like, like you say in the beginning of your podcast, there's so many people who do so many amazing, extraordinary things who have ADHD. But you know, being able to model that for others, I don't know. I mean, I think that that's powerful. I love that answer. I would not trade my brain for any other brain. Although I was tested again recently and my working memory isn't even bad. <sighs> it's, it's, you know, for, certainly for my age and all that. So a lot of it is the stories that we tell ourselves, right? I've been going around for decades. Oh my God, my memory's terrible. I can't memorize songs. I can't do this. I can't do that. And I realized that, well, it's about interest. I'm not interested in memorizing those things, but the things I'm interested in, yeah, I'll remember them. Yeah. And what we pay attention to grows. Yep. Totally. Good or bad. (laughs) Good or bad. (laughs) Right. So let's focus on the good, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we have a choice, going back to choice, you know, what support? We always have a choice. I I mean, honestly, I I can't think of one thing that would be really bad that there isn't something that you can learn from it. You know, that there isn't something that could build a strength or, you know, so on and so forth. So. Okay. What is your number one workaround? Do you have one? Oh, lots and lots of lists, but I'm learning that I'm having to like break my lists out. Like I have to have categories for those. I can't, I can't go through my day without them and timers, but not timers to remind me to stop timers to, to help me get into an action. Yep. Like three, two, one, go like that kind of Mm -hmm. a thing. Mm -hmm. And, and then I can, when I'm having trouble getting started, that, that can help me do that. Um, I'm visual and I'm a verbal processor too. And so if I lean into those strategies of like helping me remember things, then that supports me as well. And just getting into action, right? Yeah. Because yeah. once we're in action, then the, there's no problem continuing. Right. <laughs> right. There's a problem stopping. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so Leslie, are you working on something that you want to tell us about? I'm act- I am working on something. I have done a little bit of research and I have leaned into Barbara Fredrickson's work on positivity and I just love it so much. She wrote the book Positivity and you know one of the things that with you know those those of us with ADHD we tend to forget the the things that we do that that are you know that that bring us joy and and pride and our successes basically. And so I am, I'm pulling together some things on bringing in the positivity and being able to recognize the strengths. And I've done it a couple of times with some friends and I call it 
kind of a positivity power hour. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on it to to create a workshop around it. And just, and so hopefully, I don't know, maybe by the summer, I'll have some of those details laid out on how that will work and be able to open that up. So just check my website to see when that is, is coming available. It's really wonderful when people see, oh, what they are in abundance of from a standpoint of positivity and where the scarcity is and what they want more of. Right. Again, if we're whatever we, you know, wherever our attention goes, that's where our results go. Mm -hmm. So, where can people find you if they want to know more about this and they should go to your website? They can go to my website, um, leslierobbinscoaching.com, and that's Robbins with two B's, all, you know, strung together. And um, they can email me at leslie.robbins.adhdcoach at gmail.com. But through my website, you can schedule a consultation with me and I offer free consultations for anyone who's wanting to explore, you know, coaching or to see if it's, you know, if I'm, if we're a right fit for one another or just have questions. I'm happy to talk with you. Wonderful. So it's leslierobbinscoaching.com and it's L-E-S-L-I-E. Yes. R-O-B-B-I-N-S coaching.com. Correct. Okay. And all of this, including the email, will be in the show notes. Leslie, thank you so much for spending time with us here today. Look, I would have never met you had you not driven off with the gas hose (laughs) in your car. It continues to bless me. Thank you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So thank you so much for, for coming and talking to us about it. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. This was it was fun to talk about, and I'm I'm very grateful. So that's what I have for you for this week. If you like this episode with Leslie Robbins, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. And you know what? Your reviews really do help in that regard. As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. Come join me over at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.